want to thank you guys for being here today. Open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, and we're going to be going through verses 1 through 10. This portion of Scripture is entitled, Preserving the Gospel. Preserving, we've been talking about the Gospel, the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Gospel that the only Gospel that there is. There is no other Gospel. Paul's already mentioned that to us. And we're going to continue on in that vein throughout the rest of the chapter because that's what Paul is defending. He's defending his honor. He's defending his stance as an apostle. He's defending himself against the false accusers, uh, which he calls pseudo-adolfois, uh, false brothers. He's, confessed, he's, he's, uh, he's standing firm and not letting anything move him or touch him, or especially the gospel message that he has. So uh, I'm going to read through Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Lead us in a word of prayer, and then we'll come back and just go over the notes that we have for today. But let's read uh, Galatians chapter 2. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. And right at the top of my uh, Bible on chapter 2, it says, Paul accepted by the apostles. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had run, not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery. To them, we did not yield in submission even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seem influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, as just as Peter had been trusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Father in heaven, we thank you for this portion of scripture that seems to be a little jumbled up and seems to be a little confusing unless we understand and know the background of what Paul is talking to and from. And so, Father, I pray that you help us walk through this portion of Scripture and how we can apply this to our lives. For we know that the gospel is the one message that needs to be preserved, that needs to be held up without any infringement of any other thought or idea or theology or uh, custom that anybody else might have. Anything that anybody else thinks that they need to add to this gospel, Lord, we need to be very weary about and look at your word as the only gospel. So, Father, I thank you once again for this opportunity that you lead us to and you brought us to. Lead us this morning in all things, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen and Amen. All right. From the very beginning, 
of time since God started to take every inch of this universe and make it his own and as he had purposed to do Satan has been there to counter produce or counter uh, counter everything that God has done God is working in this side and Satan is opposing him on the other side and this includes also the gospel message from the very beginning, Jesus told us that uh, the parable of the, the tares, the wheat and the tares, that when the landowner went out and planted wheat, that he prepared the soil and then planted the wheat and it all sprung. As, as it started to spring up, they realized that there was also tares that were put in. According to the parable, the enemy came in right away and sowed wheat in there also just to destroy the crop. And that's the same thing that Satan has been doing ever since the beginning. Every time God is bringing up a work, Satan comes in somehow and he infiltrates and destroys or tries to destroy that crop. And every church has its tares and its wheat. Every uh, denomination has its tares and its wheat. Every God-fearing, gospel-preaching ministry that God wants to raise up to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, has its counterpart. And that's why at the end, there is Christ and there is the Antichrist. And the Antichrist is anti-anything that Jesus Christ wants to do. As, as you probably know, and, and if you've been here long enough, that you know that, that we believe in the gospel message of Jesus Christ. It's the only gospel that there is. And that's the only gospel that we need to proclaim. And it's, be, and it's that gospel only because that is what gave us and, and the, allowed us to enter into the presence of God through Jesus Christ's blood. That wondrous cross, that wondrous cross where my sin was pardoned, where, where everything was taken away from me because I see that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of this world. And, and, and we, we have to hold dear to that because that's what Satan wants to pervert and take away and, and just make it seem like it's really not that big of an issue. And we have a lot of people that have fallen into what's called, what I call, uh, easy believism. You know, all you have to do is come forward and repent or at least say some things that you have done or, or repent in a sense is what they're trying to say and raise their hand and, and pray a prayer and even cry a little bit at the altar. And they believe, okay, I'm saved because I did that. That's not the gospel. The gospel message changes a person. As we talked about here just recently, the gospel never changes. The gospel changes me. And the gospel message has always been by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's all it's ever been, through, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And as we get into the next chapter, or actually the next uh, verses after this next week, justification by faith, we'll see that, uh, that by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, has always been the standard in the Bible, from the Old Testament looking forward to the New Testament, us looking backwards. And we all conclude and we all come to the cross of Jesus Christ. And we'll see how Abraham was justified by faith, how Abraham was saved because of his faith in what God was doing. The gospel message was shown to him, just like for us, the gospel message is being shown to us. And we'll talk about that in the following weeks. But we need to preserve this gospel. And how do we do that? Well, first of all, we need to understand that there is an enemy out there who wants to pervert the gospel. 
And there, there are various types of ways of presenting the gospel. People are sharing what the gospel means to them. If, uh, if you've been with us any length of time, and if you haven't, uh, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the, the gospel messages and, and how everything seems to be pointing toward away from what Jesus Christ did. Because the gospel is not uh, that God has a wonderful plan for you and a purpose for you in your life. Though that may be true, and God does have a wonderful plan for you and a great purpose for your life, that is not the gospel message. The gospel message is about Jesus Christ, dead, buried, and resurrected, and what that means to us. So to preserve the gospel message, what we need to do is we need to, number one, if you pull out your outlines, number one, we need to discern the true gospel from the false gospel. I'm not going to spend a lot of time in this. We spent, we've been talking about this for some, some weeks now as far as the gospel is concerned. And we're going to continue talking about the gospel and sharing with you just how important this is. Because if you look at these verses that I have there in your outline, in Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 12, and if you have your Bibles open, I'd like for you to do something with me as well. Uh, in, in Galatians 1, 11 through 12, it says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it, from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ himself. There are five times there that Paul refers to the gospel by the gospel in itself or by saying that he did not receive it or was taught it, but he's referring to the gospel. As a matter of fact, as we go through this portion of scriptures through the first couple of chapters, there's over 11 times that Paul is referring to the gospel message. If you have your pencils with you and, and a pen and your Bibles, do this. And, and you know, I, I know some of you are kind of leery about writing in your Bibles. Please, write in your Bibles. Mark them up. Highlight them. Let, let the messages that, that you hear and you sense God speaking to you just jump out at you so you can refer back to them again, once again. But in verse 6, as I mentioned, right at the end, uh, I, I'm astonished that you are quickly deserting him who called you in grace, in the grace of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel. Circle that, circle that or underline that. Not that there is another one. Underline that one, speaking of the gospel. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Jesus Christ. Underline that one. And in, in verse 8, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel, underline that one, contrary to the one, underline that, we preach to you, let him be accursed. And then in verse 9, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches to you a gospel, underline that one, contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. And we jump to verse 11, as we just said, for I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel, underline that, that was preached by me is not man's gospel, for I did not receive it, you can underline that as well, and uh, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. And, and as you go over to chapter 2, in verse 2 it says, I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles. And then you go down to verse 5, and to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Are you getting the point here? Paul is very determined to let people know that there is a gospel and there's only one gospel message. 
Paul is so in tune to what he's trying to say. And in verse seven, on the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised. And so Paul is just making this case that it's the gospel, it's the gospel, it's the gospel. It needs to be preserved. I want you guys to understand that this is the one thing that Satan is trying to pervert. Why? Why does that have to matter? Why does it even matter within the church? I mean, can't we focus on the healing that God can give me? Can't we focus on the peace that he wants to deliver to me and my life and my family? Can't we focus on the, 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 the beauty of this world and the things that he wants to bless us with? Can't we focus on that? Why does it have to always be the gospel? And, and I want you to know, beloved, it's because of this. You know, we can come before the Lord every morning and ask God for miracles and ask God to heal and ask God to bless this nation and ask God to turn this nation around, our president, or whatever the case may be in your own personal lives. And I don't want to belittle anything that you're going through. Many of you are going through some very hard times. Some of you have gone through some hard times, lost some loved ones. You've gone through some difficult times in your life. And that's not what I'm... I'm not trying to belittle that. And yes, God wants to minister to you in that sense. But we can get caught up in night after night, day after day, coming in and praying and, and, and referring to, and, and never once focus on the gospel. You see, that's what Satan wants. He doesn't want you to focus on the redeeming power of the gospel, on what Jesus Christ did on the cross, on what the blood that he shed, the sacrifice, the atonement, all those things that Jesus Christ did on the cross, all those other things that we're talking about are great things and good things and beautiful things. But they come not before the gospel, but because of the gospel, not in spite of the gospel, but because of what Jesus Christ did. Many people come to church looking for a blessing, a, a, an anointing, a healing, a, a word, uh, something from God to, to prove that he really exists. They are looking for something that only God can give them, and they come to church looking for that. They come in prayer looking for that in beloved what Paul is trying to tell us here, we have to focus on the gospel. That's the whole message. And the people in the church, in the churches in Galatia, they were distorting that. Well, it's good that you've become a Christian, but before you can become a Christian, you have to become a Jew. You have to be circumcised. You have to follow the dietary laws. You have to follow the ceremonial laws. You have to, all these haftas that have to happen. We can equate that with our in our churches today where you have to, uh, in order for you to be saved, you, you have to be baptized first and foremost. If you're not baptized, then you're not saved. You have to be baptized only in the name of Jesus. You have to speak in tongues. You have to, you know, you, you add your hafta in there. And all those things that people say you have to do, those are things that we will possibly do because of the gospel, not in spite of the gospel. And Paul says, and we've talked about this quite I mean, at length, and I'll continue to talk about it, it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And that's it. I need to discern the true gospel. As a matter of fact, the true gospel is that we're, we're all sinners, and God is holy. 
And God demands justice, and justice will be served on this planet. And to summarize what Paul is trying to say in Romans chapter 1 and 2, he says, on that day, when Paul says on that day, he's not talking about any special day that you may have in mind. He's talking about the day of the, the end times. On that day, according to my gospel, and it's not his that he's the one that, that has actually made it up, but he's the one that's taken ownership of it. This is the only gospel there is. God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. That's the gospel. We are to be judged, and only the blood of Jesus Christ is going to save us from that wrath, the, judge, the judgment of God himself. Discern the true gospel from the false gospel. Number two, I need to demonstrate cooperation with leaders. Demonstrate cooperation with leaders. In Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, Then, after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas. Taking Titus along with me, I went up because of a re revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles, in order to make sure I was not running or had run, had not run in vain. Paul was concerned. Not that he possibly could have gotten it mixed up. He wasn't concerned or worried, well, maybe I, I messed up. Maybe I'm not hearing it correctly. He wasn't concerned on his part. He was concerned for you. He was concerned for the church. He was concerned that the people that were coming in and telling them that these are the things that you have to do in order to be saved, that the believers, the brethren, were following them. And, and apparently it was. It was taking place. It was happening. We had uh, in our congregation some, some years back, you know, people that would come in from different walks of life and and they come from different, you know, denominations. And we, we would sit here. And one of the things that we used to, we used to do is uh, we used to let just anybody come up and, and be a part of our church. Come as you are. Come as you are. But a lot of times people are bringing in thoughts and ideas that they have picked up along the way and added more to what the Bible, uh, what the Bible says. One such incident is where we had this Bible study that was taking place in a home. And uh, they, they approached me, the, the people at the Bible study. They says, how come, how come you've never taught us about the Holy, Holy Ghost? I says, well, I talk about the Holy Ghost all the time. You know, well, how, how do we get the Holy Ghost? Well, you got the Holy Ghost when you got, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah I mean, when, when, you're, when you're a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come, and the Holy Spirit comes in and resides in your life. Yes, we know that we have the Holy Spirit, but how do we get the Holy Ghost? And I go, oh, my God, where'd you hear that from? Well, that's, that's what they're teaching at this Bible study. Why don't we have the Holy Ghost? And I go, um, first of all, <laughs> the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit, the same thing. No, it's not. We, you know, and they're trying to show me. And I'm saying, look, it's, it's a matter of translation. Long story short, that Bible study didn't last long. You know? and, and so, I mean, it was, it was very easy, very nice. And you know, these are the things that were you know, almost equivalent to what we are teaching. Yet there was something just a little bit off. And, and, and that's, that was part of it. And so when we see that, we have to realize, okay, I, I need to really just understand that, that this is what Paul is talking about. That he wants to make sure he with the elders in, um, in Jerusalem. 
So I need to demonstrate cooperation with the leaders. And what Paul did is he went to Jerusalem after 14 years to see if what he was doing, not, not, not for him to see, but that the Galatians can see that what he is doing and showing that he's not running in vain and that he's not going to continue running in vain because it is approved first and foremost by God. We saw this in chapter 1. That Paul says that after three years he went up and he stayed with Cephas. Didn't really mention to him everything that he was doing. But he says, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ gave me the gospel and this was what I'm preaching. And they said, well, well, fine. It sounds in line with what we're doing. Stayed there for a couple of weeks and he left. This time, we have to go back to Acts chapter 15. Go back, go back with me to Acts chapter 15. This time when he goes up 15 years later, this is what's taking place. In the book of Acts, it's called the council at Jerusalem. There is a council that, that, uh, that Paul shows up, and it says here in chapter 15 of Acts, verse 1, But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Now that's what Paul was dealing with. These people in these churches were telling them, you can't be saved unless you're a Jew. And this is what they were dealing with. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. There was an argument. It was not a small uh, discussion. It was a debate. It was a dissension. It was a, a, and I would say that Paul was fearlessly and fervently defending the gospel. No, you're trying to put us back into slavery. And so what Paul did in, in, at, through a revelation is what he says in Galatians. And then as he probably shared it with the elders, they said, well, you know what? If that's what God has shown you to do, go. Go to Jerusalem and let's find this out. Let's find out what's going on. And in verse 6, it says here in chapter 15 of Acts, the apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after they had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? What Peter is alluding to is that this, the Ten Commandments, the commandments that God has given us, the Old Testament, everything, the law that was laid out. And we're going to learn a little bit later that what Paul talks about when he, Paul talks about the law and how it was laid out for us to show us that we can't accomplish that, that we need a Savior. But what Peter is saying here is we've never been able to hold up to this whole law. You guys haven't been able to do it. Heck, even our fathers couldn't do it, yet we want them to do it. It just doesn't make any sense is what Peter is saying. And it's, it's one of those types of things where we had a brother here one time that says, you know, you got to tithe, you got to tithe. And he told everybody. He was part of the leadership trying to tell everybody to tithe. And I says, well, this brother must be tithing pretty good. And I come to find out and I asked him, I says, hey, brother, so how is your tithing? Well, I don't tithe all the time. I don't think, what, what do you mean? You know, how can you be teaching other people to tithe if you yourself don't take it serious? Well, I take it serious, but sometimes I can and sometimes, <laughs> stop. You, you, you have to take this gospel seriously, and you got to understand that it is the gospel of Jesus Christ by faith alone, through, through, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. 
And Peter says in verse 10, Now therefore, why are you putting God to the test? Why are you doing this? In verse 11, But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. And all the assembly felt sighted. Now check this out. And they listened to Barnabas and Paul, and they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. Signs and wonders. People are saying, well, does that mean that if I get saved, I have to have signs and wonders? There's got to be signs and wonders in my life. I, I don't have any signs and wonders, Pastor. So what are you saying, that, that I can't be saved? That I'm not saved? As a matter of fact, um, um, this last week I did a funeral. And as I was talking to the family, I was sharing the gospel with them and telling them about what the gospel message is. And the woman all of a sudden interrupted me. Oh, hold on. You're trying to say that my dad didn't make it to heaven? Well, I didn't say that. I don't know who your father was. You know, this is the first time I'm meeting you, and, and I didn't know your father. And all I'm telling you is that this is what the Bible says. And she abruptly says, okay, well, this conversation's over. And it was. I believed that night that they were going to call me the next morning and say, uh, they don't want you doing the funeral after all. Uh, but that wasn't the case. And, and the gospel message does cut. And it convicts. And, and it'll bring you to a point of either repentance or running away. And so as Paul and Barnabas are relating these signs and wonders, and, and you, you have to understand that in the book of Acts, the book of Acts is a transition book from the Gospels to the New Testament, to the epistles. It's a transitional book. And, and you have people here, Jewish people, that were not listening to what the apostles were saying. And Jesus Christ promised them that the Holy Spirit would come down and they would receive power. And they, the evidence of that salvation was the speaking in tongues, the evidence of the apostles to authenticate the salvation of, of the, the believers and to authenticate the power of the apostles was the signs and wonders. And the apostles and although all those that, that followed along were, were also following with the signs and wonders. After the New Testament took place, after the, the book of Acts had finished, no more signs and wonders. You don't hear about them anymore. It was there to authenticate what God was doing. Today, they're saying, well, how does God authenticate what he's doing today? Well, it's right here, brother. This is how we know. It is authenticated in his word. This is why we always come back to what the Bible says. What does the Bible say? How does the Bible uh, explain that? And you don't need the signs and wonders because the signs and wonders have been gone away with. What you need right now is the Word of God and the power of God and the, and the, the, the grace of God that God gives us. I, I, share, I don't know if I shared the story with you guys about the people in, um, the, on the road to Emmaus, two men, when, Jesus, when they encountered Jesus Christ, they didn't know who he was. They needed a revelation. They needed to see Jesus Christ. They were so discouraged and so downtrodden because of what they did to their master, their savior, their friend, they were walking home, and Jesus says, what are you guys discussing? He says, well, haven't you heard? They crucified our, our Lord. And the stranger, what he, the first thing he does is, is he, he just disciplines them. He says, listen, don't you know what the prophets, what the law of the prophets and the writings say about the Messiah that is to come? And on the way home, Jesus is explaining to them everything that the Messiah had to go. Now, they needed to see Jesus. They wanted to hold Jesus. They, they wanted a revelation from Jesus. But what Jesus did is he gave them the word, had a Bible study with them on the way 
home. And it wasn't until after they understood what the scriptures were saying that Jesus Christ showed up. That's when he shows up. He shows up when we get into the word. And, and that's how we are able to see the sign and the wonder in our life. As you repent, as we talked about here a couple of weeks ago and a little bit last week, we repent from our old formal way of thinking and repenting to what the Bible teaches. Because he goes on to say in verse 13, after they finished speaking, James replied. Now, you got to understand who James is. James is not the, uh, uh, the apostle James. James was killed. I believe he was sodden too. And, uh, but this is James, the half-brother of Jesus. He's, Mary had Jesus, of course, first, and he, she had other sons as well. And James is one of them. He had sons and daughters. And James became the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And James, what he does as a good pastor is he says, well, let's have a Bible study. He says, James replied, brothers, listen to me. Simon had related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophet agree just as it is written. What did he do? He says, let's, let's go to the Bible. What does the Bible say? Okay, I see what you're experiencing. I, I hear what you're saying. But what does the Bible say? This is a common thread not only in James, but in Paul, always going back to as it is written. You'll see that over and over again. And I pray, beloved, that whenever you see that in Scripture, especially in the New Testament, that you go back and you read that. And, and I, I need to confess to you something, that when, when I do that, when I go back to the Old Testament and I read that portion of Scripture, I'm thinking, okay, now how did they get that out of there? Now, how is that? But that's what they did. And then after I kind of do a little bit of a Bible study, and I start doing an exegesis out of it, and I realize, oh, okay, okay, I, I can see it now. But to read it just straight through, many times you've gone through the Bible, you've read through the Old Testament, especially Psalms, and, and, and you'll, you'll read through the Old Testament, and, and you'll go over some of these passages, but when you get into the New Testament, you go right back, says, I didn't see it there the first time. But James, he knew, he went straight to this, he went straight to uh, Amos, and he says, after this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it, that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from old. You see, so the Gentiles were already included. They were already included and they didn't even know it. As a matter of fact, for the Jew, the reason they wanted Christians to become Jewish is for them that God was only for the Jews. And if Jesus Christ is from God, which he was and he is, if he's really from God, then it's only for the Jews. Because we know, as the Jew would say, we know that, 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 that all the Gentiles, they were only created just to stoke the fires of hell. That's the only reason. They're going to hell. But we're not because we're God's chosen. And we're, 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 we can do whatever we want and we can get to heaven. And we'll be, in, we'll be in paradise, Abraham's bosom, because we are God's chosen. They missed the point. Abraham, we'll find out next week, Abraham was chosen by God to be a blessing to all peoples. As Amos is telling us right here as well, that the Gentiles who are called by God's name, says the Lord, will make all these things happen. And it's starting to unfold right before their eyes. So... Long story short, let me get to the point where I'm getting here. Because here's, here's what they came out with, and it's, this is in your outlines as well. Um, 
that in, in, in verse, verse 2, that Paul shows up, and in verses 28 and 29, here's what they came out with. Paul could have kept running by himself. Paul didn't have to go to Jerusalem. He's been preaching already for 14 years. He's already been doing this for, for 14 years, and, and he showed up. They, they, they approved him in a sense. You know, they said, hi, how you doing? Okay, good to hear you, that you're not persecuting, not preaching. Go preach. And now what Paul has done is he's just authenticated the gospel message. This is, unless you understand the whole situation, this is why we went to lengths to kind of lay out the whole situation of Galatia and Jerusalem and the churches and the things that were going on between the Judaizers and Paul and, and the new Christians, this new sect and the Pharisees and everything that was going on, that as the apostles were preaching the gospel message that Jesus Christ gave them, Paul was preaching the identical message. The identical message by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And the disciples that were preaching the same message, when they got together, Paul revealed it to them. He shared it with them. This is what I've been preaching. They go, go, go with God. It's exactly what you should be doing. You've been doing that for 14 years? Keep on going. As a matter of fact, go this route. They sent them off on another missionary journey. And this is what that council, this conference got together. They got together, they got this conference together, and here's what they came out with at the bottom of your outline, verses 28 and 29. It says, For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols, from blood, from what has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. Four things. In our culture today, it doesn't matter what you eat. It doesn't matter how you eat it, if, if it's been sacrificed. And a lot of this has to do with what you consume. But the one part that many people are just throwing out the window is sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is wrong. Sex outside of marriage is wrong. Sex of any type without it being in the marriage is wrong. Within the marriage, within the confound of marriage, God created it to be beautiful and good, to know your spouse. But when Paul and the council, actually the whole council got together, and they said, this is what we aspire for everyone to do. Can't have them become Jewish, but these are four things that we already do, and we want them to stop doing as well. Because of the culture, because of the things that were going on. And he goes on to say, if you keep yourself from these, you will do well. Farewell. And they send them off. I need to demonstrate this cooperation with these leaders. I need to demonstrate with what it is that they're, they're talking about. And, and, and there was a debate. There, was a, there wasn't a dissension. And, and there should be. There should be a debate. And, and Paul never wavered from ministering to weak Christians. Oh, but he fought fiercely to false Christians. Oh, he fought against that. But, you know, when a brother or sister has, has you know, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand how all that falls into place. How does that work? And there's a lot of things that we have been taught. There are a lot of things that we have learned. There are a lot of things that we just brought up with and just taken it for granted that, well, that's just the way it should be, right? It should be like that. And we've been finding out in the last few years, well, you know, there's some things that we have to really dig in the Scripture to find out what does it really say? How does that work out in our life? And we will have some disagreement. That's okay. And we can come together and realize, okay, you know what? I'm working. I can see how that's happening. It doesn't have to be like right now overnight. I'll tell you, it didn't happen like that for most of us. But it does happen when you dive into it. 
and you have a discussion. But once again, Paul never, ever castigated or cast out, cast out a, a weak brother, but a false one, get rid of him. Get rid of him. Back of your outline. Number three, decline to be intimidated. Decline to be intimidated. Verses 3 and 5 says, But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. You know, you wonder, how come Paul took Titus? Why is that even in there? Why did he take him to Jerusalem? Jerusalem is Je- uh, Jewish people. You can't bring a Greek or a Gentile into the temple or into the... Why even bring him? He was a test case. He was a model of what Paul is talking about. Look, look, what, look what Titus, what's happened to Titus. Titus, and, and you know what? And, and he's talking to the people at Galatia. I took Titus with me to this, this conference. I took Titus with me, and we had this, this gathering. And, I, and Titus was there with me, and they didn't force him to get circumcised. As a matter of fact, there was only four requirements, remember? I wrote to you about those. We spread it out, and we've been sharing that with you guys. Only four requirements. Some people have an issue with... Timothy, that was circumcised. Timothy was half Jew by his mother's side. And Timothy was ministering to Jewish people. So in order to, uh, to be all things to all people, Paul had him circumcised because he says, you know, I want you to minister to these, this Jewish community. And if you're half Jewish, then you should be. But Titus wasn't. And if Titus would have had, if Paul would have had Titus uh, circumcised and followed all the dietary laws, if he would have had him do that, then what would have happened was that he would have given in. And all you have to do is give an inch. You know this, beloved. This happens in my own home. This happens in your own home. You give an inch, and boom, that's it. It's, but you said, once you open that door, it's hard to close it. Amen? Okay, we're going to a whole different subject now. But anyways, uh, I didn't... He says he wasn't even... Uh, circumcises yet because of the false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us to slavery to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment beloved if you want to preserve the gospel you got to decline to be intimidated you got to know what you know you got to know that you know that you know that you know that this is what the word of God says and this is what it says not, well, I believe, I think, you know, I heard it said. No, what does the Bible say? You have to get into the Word of God and get into the, the meat of it and, and start to, to read it. And, and it's really not that complicated. It really isn't. We complicate it more than it should be. We put too many parameters around it. When God says something, we just say, okay, God said that. That's what I'll do. When God says, don't do that, then okay, if God said that not to do that, we won't do it. But it's okay, or it's all right, or... Let's just try to get as, as, as direct as possible with the Word of God. Then he goes on to say that uh, he did not yield even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. This is Paul's whole intent for the book of Galatians. He wants the gospel to be preserved. He desires for the gospel to stay intact. He desires for it to be that same powerful message, the message that can, cha- that can change lives. We don't have to water down the gospel we don't have to try to make it uh, appealing to people. We don't have to try to, you know, let, let's spice it up a little. We really don't. I mean, there's some things that we do within our church building to make it comfortable. 
but we want you to be comfortable so that we can bring the gospel to you. <laughs> we, we want the gospel message to be presented as it was presented back then. That's what changes people. Not the strategies that we use, not the psychology that we, pre- that we preach and teach, not any of those things that we have, the, the programs and the ministries. Those things are essential to have in order to minister to God's people, but it is the gospel that changes them. Not the building, not the pastor, not the staff, not the music, not the programs, the gospel message. If the gospel message is seeped into the pastor's life, if it's within his DNA, if it's within the staff's DNA, if the gospel message is is in the DNA of the children's ministry, the youth ministry, the music, you get my point. If it's in the church, then yes, let's do these things if it proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I, I needed to I needed to climb to be intimidated. Number four, I needed to be determined to share the gospel. You know, there is the thought that if if you are already saved and you know that God's going to save people, why even bother? Why even bother? With that thinking, I then I, I just well this last week as I was sharing the gospel with these people and and I'm sharing to them and, and the reason the gospel message even came up was because um, they said something to the effect of. Well, I know that now my dad's in heaven with everybody else, my mom, my brother, my, my son. I think that's what it was. You know, now God's in heaven. Uh, excuse me, now, now he's in heaven too. And I go, well, how, how, do you, how do you know? I mean, what does it take? And, of course, I, I got a works answer. You got to be good. You got to do this. You gotta... And so in the thinking of, you know, believing that, well, if God's going to save him, he's going to save him. I would have just sat there and said, okay, Lord, let me see you do your saving thing. Come on, I, I ain't got time. Hurry up. You know, I, I'd have sat there and waited and waited and waited. I, I would have waited for as long as it took. I guess this person is not supposed to get saved, you know? And so, therefore, I, I just would walk out. But that's not, what I, that's not what we are to do. No, we are to be involved. How can they hear if they are not told? See, because faith comes from hearing. Hearing what? The Word of God. Not by my word. Faith is infused into a person that hears God after God wakes them up. Faith comes by hearing. And the hearing is the word of God. God's word that penetrates that that reprobate. That penetrates that heart that is hardened. And God just breaks through and boom. Faith is applied. Faith cannot be applied to a dead person. Faith cannot be applied to something that is not even willing to be a part of God's plan. And God knows who that is. Faith comes from hearing. And and it is up to you and me, beloved, to be a part of what God is doing. So if God's going to do this, why even proclaim the gospel or share the gospel? Why even do that? Because, first of all, God told you to. (laughs) He says, do it. Go and make disciples. That's what you need to do. That's what I need to do. I had another encounter with another gentleman here at our office here just this last week. Same thing. Person, you know, I mean, I I don't know if he was saved or not. The questions I asked, I'm trying to decipher, but I shared the gospel with him anyways. He came back. Doesn't live in the area, but he came back. And I go, all right, great, you know. And, And so, once again, what is God doing? Well, I don't know. All he's asked me to do is to share. And if I can, I need to make a disciple out of you and every person that needs to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
on, on the, in verses 7 and 9, he says, On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised. I, I need to stop you there for just a moment, just a little side note. In the King James Version, it would say something to the effect of the gospel of the uncircumcised and the gospel of the circumcised. And from that, what they have done is they said, okay, there's two gospels. One for the, the Jewish people and one for the Gentiles. That's not the case. There is not two Gospels. And people have proclaimed that and preached that and they believe that. The, the Jews get one Gospel, we get another Gospel. No, it, it was poorly translated. Well, it made sense back then. It made sense to, to the people that were you know, hearing it in the King James Version. But somehow, it, it is not of, but it is to. It is to the circumcised. There's only one gospel. Paul's already preached that. He's already told us, if anybody else preaches another gospel, let him be anathematized. But anyways, he goes on to say, For he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They said, okay, you guys for 14 years have been preaching this gospel. Same gospel message we're preaching. People are getting saved. Titus is here. That's evidence. And Titus is just one of the many, 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 many other disciples that are out there in these churches. The problem is that people are coming in from Jerusalem saying that they have to be Jews before they can become Christians. Are you guys sending those guys out? No. What are you preaching, Paul? What are you saying? Well, when James and Cephas and John seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship. They perceived it. They saw it. Okay, this is what I'm... Pre Here's the grace. Because it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. They said, that's the message. That's it. That's what you're... Pre that's all I'm preaching. What are you telling these Judaizers that are coming in and stirring the pot? They said, you know what? We're not telling them anything. Those guys need to be kicked out. And if you remember here a while back, I talked to you about the, the Jewish custom and the Greek custom. In that time, it was, a, it was an honor-based society. Honor and uh, failure. You know, if you, you, you wanted to be honored. You didn't want to be dishonored. You wanted to be, and so everything you did was to, to be honored. And this is why Paul says, you know, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm the worst of the sinners. You know, I don't want any of this honor. You know, I, I was minding my own business, it, putting Christians in prison, and out of the blue, Jesus Christ shows up. And so, you know, I'll do whatever I, I can from this point forward to proclaim that gospel instead of persecute the church. And, and for these Judaizers, the people that were stirring up the church, it was a dishonor. It was a slap in their face, and it was a slap in Satan's face. Beloved, what happens is it gets harder. Not on you, but on them. And on them is within the church. And the church gets infiltrated. And the tares start to grow up at the same time. Jesus said, let it happen. I mean, you know, you, you don't want to be kicking everybody out just because you think they're tares. You preach to them the gospel message. You preach to them what Jesus Christ did. That it is in, in Christ alone, through faith alone, and, and, and by grace alone. And, and you, you continue to preach that. And the, the power of the word will change their lives. And so I, I need to determine to share the gospel. In order to preserve the gospel, beloved, each one of us need to discern the true gospel, first and foremost, from the false one to the, the, the true gospel. Demonstrate in cooperation with leaders. 
uh, I, I must decline to be intimidated and I must uh, be determined to share the gospel. And the last thing, I must defend the less fortunate. I must defend the less fortunate. The last thing that, the, that, that was told to them in verse, in verse 10, only they asked us to remember the poor. The very thing I was eager to do. Paul came from a well-to-do a uh, very, 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 very successful life, as I mentioned. He was a Jew of the Jews. He had money. He had all kinds of power. He had influence. And Paul came from that. And when he, when he was knocked off his horse, literally, it, it happened that he had a change of events. His whole mindset was different. And he saw people as God's children. And he says, you know, if I can, if I can minister to that person, if I can minister to the church, to the family, the faith the family faith of God. And this is Paul's fo- first focus. You've become a beloved. And, and one of the things that happened in Jerusalem, that when they, were, when they were going through this transformation of Jews to Christianity, people gathered and stayed in Jerusalem. A lot of them lost their jobs because they became Christians. They worked for Jewish peoples and, and, and Jewish organizations and corporations and you're a Christian, get out of here. It was that kind of persecution. So these guys lost all their possessions. And the church that back then that had enough, they contributed to the, the needs of the poor. And the church continued to grow, and, and more of a need was needed. And Paul shows up to Thessalonica, and he says, well, you know, we want to help all the brothers that we can. Can you help those guys up there? Well, what are they doing up there? Well, they're waiting for Jesus. What do you mean they're waiting for Jesus? Yeah, they're, they're sitting up there. They heard that Jesus was coming back. So they're up on the mountain and they're waiting for Jesus. I go, is there anything wrong with them? No, they just don't want to work. What do you mean they don't want to work? He says, yeah, well, I'm not going to. You know what? Whoever doesn't work doesn't eat. Okay, you've got you to take care of yourself. You've got to be able to fend for yourself, not so that you can be more abundantly rich, but so that you may be able to help other people. I want to help you, Paul says, but not if you're willing to, not, not if you're not willing to work, because those who do not eat do not work. Paul says, I will help the poor, the less fortunate. And that's what we should do. Those that are less fortunate. I got a very strong reminder this last week from a good friend of mine, a pastor friend that says, you know what? I was neglecting the widows and the orphans, the widows and the orphans, the widows and the orphans. And it says over and over again, take care of the true religions, those that take care of the widows and the orphans. Over and over again, Jesus is talking about the widows and the orphans. Beloved, we need to do the same thing. We need to be able to take care of those and defend the less fortunate. In 2 Corinthians, I'm just going to go back to what we studied here uh, months ago. It says, for they gave according to their means. And I can testify and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Us pastors, we use this verse to try to get people to tithe and try to get people to give. We use these sections in chapter 9 as well. And it's more blessed to give than to receive. But Paul is talking about a relief effort here. He's talking about raising funds to help someone in need. We, you probably don't remember or know. Some of you probably remember Pastor Joe Medina. Jose Medina had a food closet. You remember Jose Medina. And we, we asked and we, a lot of people responded. And, and we were able to send uh, a donation from the church 
because, you know, pastors, first and foremost, they don't make a whole lot of money. And he was helping the less fortunate. So they didn't have a whole lot of income coming in. And so they were having a hard time financially. And they asked, any of the churches can give, and we did. And I want you to know that you, as a church, as a church body, gave two, two checks for $500 each. I can tell you this because I want you to be proud about your giving and what you give to the, the fund and the family of Jose Medina. They're going to have a memorial service for him next Saturday at Emmanuel Baptist. If you like the information, I can give it to you. But I think we have it out on the Facebook page. We also were able to, you know, I, I can go on and on and on. By the giving that you give, we try to help as much as we can those that are less fortunate than us. Those that really just can't make it. Now, this isn't just anybody. Okay, it's always the household of God. First and foremost, I really wish we could help everybody. I really do. I really wish that we would be able to just take everybody off the streets, but we can't. As a matter of fact, when most people ask me for money, you know, when they ask me, I tell them, I can't help you. What do you mean you can't help me? Well, I mean, if you want help, I can help you. I, I, do you really want help? Yes, I want some help. Okay, well, there's a place that I can take. Oh, I don't want that kind of help. <laughs> I want some money. I said, well, I can't. See, I told you I can't help you. I will help you if you allow me to help you. And, I, and some people have taken me up on that. Very quickly, short stories, a few short stories. This is one that stands out. This lady says, I, needed to, I need to go to Pomona. I says, all right, well, you know, I, I can't help you, but if, I'm not going to give you no money, but if you need a ride, I'll give you a ride. Do you give me a ride? All the way to Pomona? I says, yeah, where do you want to go? As soon as possible. Go get your stuff. I'll wait for you here. I figured she wouldn't come back, and she did. Came back with her kid. Kid at that time? I can't remember. Anyway, she came back uh, with her kid and, and said, let's go. I, and I, and I, I drove her to where she needed to be. And then at that time, I even blessed her with some, the money that she was asking for because I had the opportunity to help her. She was a person that genuinely needed help. Another person, same thing. I mean, I can tell you stories about people that I've been able to literally help. Now, if it was just temporal, great. But to just say, you know, I mean, I need money. Well, here's $2. If you can't work, you can't eat. You shouldn't eat. It looks like some people, you guys are eating pretty good. <laughs> I don't know where you're getting your food at. But, but you know, it, and that's, we need to take care of those that are less fortunate th- than us within the church body. And we haven't done a good job. I, I won't even say, uh, you know, uh, somewhat. We've done somewhat of a job of being able to do that. And we'll do that as often as we can. Whenever uh, the Lord provides for us, we will do that. But that has to be something that you personally have to do as well. I appreciate the fact that when I called out these gentlemen uh, this last week, actually just yesterday, I need some help. We're going to be doing some remodeling within here. And this is okay. I says, I'll be there. And I've got a few of you guys that are going to stick around. It's going to help out. It's not going to take as long as I thought now. At least I don't think. But, uh, but you know, it's, it's boom. Yeah, he says, amen. All right. I'm willing to help. You know, but no, just kidding. And amen for that too, because I'd like to go home as well. But I, I, want, I want us to... Well, we'll go over that here in just a little bit. I'm going to share that with you in just a bit. But you're willing to help out in the household of God. And we should do that not only because of a building, but because of our families. And the only way you can know that, the only way you can know that is to get to know, get to know your people, the people that you fellowship with, the people that you worship with, the people that you sing songs with. They come in with a smile. And some of them don't even want to share what's going on. But you know what? I believe that if you were just to befriend some people, I, I think that maybe for the most part, that's all they really need. Amen? Be willing 
to remember the poor. And, and you know, the, the apostles, they basically said, you know, whatever you can do. I mean, if it's just a prayer, remember them. Just, just remember them. And, and that's what God's called us to do. The gospel message is one that we will preserve. And we'll, we'll do the best we can to hold on to what the gospel message is. And if you continue to, to hear these messages on tape or on the Internet, or hear, you're going to hear that quite a bit. And I'm going to continue to just work on that because that's what Paul is very, very fervently trying to preserve. Let me ask you to stand. Paul deals with the group in Galatia. Next week we'll see that he deals with uh, a person, Peter. And it was, it's interesting the way he does this because, first of all, Peter's considered to be a pillar. Now all of a sudden, he's one that he goes up against. And sometimes we need to do that in a corporate setting. Sometimes we need to do that in an individual setting. But it needs to be done to correct, not to beat up, but to correct. And we want to continue helping you to be able to learn how to do that on a regular basis. Father in heaven, we thank you once again. Thank you, Lord, for your word and for the gospel message that we hear. We hear it proclaimed, we preach it, and we want to be part of your journey, Lord, your, your message, your program for, man's, for mankind that through the saving power and the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, it's always been by faith alone. It's always been by grace alone. It's always been through Jesus Christ. And Lord, here we are, asking you, Father, to just make that real within our life, wherever we go, at every opportunity that we have, whether it's for a waitress or somebody at the store. Help us to just take that opportunity to share the message of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that you continue to give us opportunities. Those divine appointments that we call, being able to share that message. So, Lord, I thank you for the, the, just the, the graciousness of the, your church, of your people within this small group. How you've blessed us tremendously in being able to, to help others as we continue on with the ministry here. You've been a great God, and you continue to be, and we thank you for that, and we thank you for what you're going to do. So, Father, we lay all this before you, and we thank you, and we honor you. And, Lord, just help us to share time with our family and friends, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. All right, we are dismissed. Thank you.